Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Good morning, how's everyone doing? Good deal. People been begging me to put this thing on the whole time, and I'm going to do it. Um, but I, I get fuzz all over my head. They've been asking me to do this, and so I'll do it just for the sake of our staff here at Thrive Church, okay? Now you have it. Welcome to our series, I Won't Survive the Holidays. And after this here, I will not. I told you it's dangerous. Keith Rowe, it's dangerous, I told you. But people have been begging me to put this thing on. Um, the sermon will not be the same this morning now at all. <laughs> Good to have you guys with us. If you're a first-time guest, I am so sorry. No, I'm joking. Um, you can turn your guest card in to the blue basket beside the TV. We'd love to stay in touch with you. I'll let you know about Thrive and upcoming events and things like that. And also, uh, Tuesday night. Very important, it's our Christmas Eve worship experience. And we are pumped about that. Very excited um, for you guys to be here that night with our biggest events of the year. And so, won't you invite your friends and family? And if you will, we got invite tickets over at the uh, Welcome Center. And we also have postcards. So, if you need a real big one to hand to people um, and do that, you can do that as well and invite them out to Christmas Eve uh, worship experience that night. Candlelight. If you've ever been to one, it's really awesome. You have a lot of fun. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles this morning to Colossians 1 verse 15. Colossians 1 verse 15. And we're going to today look at the empty manger. As you can tell, there's not a baby in this manger. It is empty. All right? And you're wondering why. But in the holiday season, the Christmas season, what happens a lot when we feel like we won't survive this season is because we lose focus of Jesus. We lose focus of what it's really all about. And it's easy to do that, right? Because Christmas is fun. Who agrees? I just love lights. I love the festivities. I went to Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens the other night. It was awesome. Um, but in the middle of that, we can lose focus of who Jesus is and why he came. And simply what I want to say to you this morning, and you can all gasp at this, I want to say this. Don't put Jesus first at Christmas or any time. Never put Jesus first. And I'm going to explain to you, because some of you are like, what did I walk into? Well, I'm going to explain it to you here. Give me the next 25 minutes and I promise I'll unpack that. But if you're going to make sure you don't empty the manger of its purpose and the reason, you can't try to put Jesus first. Let's read Colossians 1.15. And y'all need to smile a lot during this message. Colossians 1.15 says this. It says, the Son, that's Jesus... Is the image of the invisible God. So God who we could not see. Jesus we could uh, when he came on earth the 33 and a half years he lived. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for him. I inserted Jesus so you keep the context there. Jesus is before all things and in him all things hold together. And this is what I want you to to focus on this morning. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead. And this is the key. So that, so that he might have the, say it with me, supremacy. So that he might have the supremacy. 
supremacy. Let's pray. Father, this morning I pray that you would help us to make you the center of our lives. Uh, I pray, Lord, as we leave this uh, worship experience today, that we would leave with a rejuvenated uh, focus and energy to make sure that you are our our, our center, Lord. Um, God, open our hearts up today to this message. Open our minds up to your word. May we not be distracted or thinking about other stuff, but may we be fully focused on you this morning. May we worship you with our mind, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You have heard uh, at some point in time, if you have been a Christian at least two weeks, uh, that you have a list of priorities that you're supposed to do. So it's God first, right? Help me out. Then it's family second. Somebody said it. Then it's church third. Well, it should be. And then it's career last. And then it's all this other miscellaneous rest, vacation, all that. So you've been given as a Christ follower a list of things to prioritize with, right? And it sounds really good. It sounded really good to me um, until I had a professor burst my bubble in the Book of Acts class at Emmanuel College. I was sitting there and he wrote the list on the board. We all called it out because that's what we learned in vacation Bible school, right? And we, we wrote our list out and he looked at that and said, we were studying the whole Book of Acts, 16 weeks in it. He looked and he said, um, class, I want to let you know something. That's not the model the early church followed. You cannot find that in the Bible. He said, challenge you right now. Show me where that is. Let's look at the book of Acts. Show me where, where, where they had this list that they followed in priority. And we couldn't do it. And he said, that is not what Jesus intended. He intended to be the center, not first in line. And let me unpack that for you. Because if you put a list of things there and you prioritize, here's what that may mean. If you put God first, which, 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 which he'll be first in all things. You'll, after the end of this message, you'll get that. And then you put family second and church third and career last. Does that mean that all day at work you pray to God because career's fourth and you don't do your work? Because that's what our list tells us to do, right? Does that mean that, that uh, when it comes to your career, you're like, I'm, no, if I can't, if I miss church at all, I will not work. And your family is, needs to be fed. Do you see how that, how, how, that, how that takes off? And so, so many times what happens is, is that we make this list of things that we've been told, but the Bible does not represent that. And when you look at the early church, it doesn't show that as well. See, Jesus shouldn't be first and family second and so on, but Jesus should be the focus of our family, the focus of our career, the focus of our church experience, the focus of all the He should be the center of all that. See, it's not Jesus then, it's Jesus in. Did you get that? It's not Jesus in a list of things and then they all kind of come in priority. It's Jesus in everything. Because when you read in, in verse 18, it says, So that in everything he might have the supremacy that is in everything. I mean, even at Christmas, a lot of times, you know, you have people that, that vie. I'm not putting up trees. I'm not putting up lights. I'm not eating your stinking candy canes. It's all about Jesus to me. Ain't no presence in this home. And if you choose that, that's okay. But I believe that in all things, as Christ followers, Jesus should be the center of all that we do. Especially Christmas. Um, imagine if uh, when you put your tree up with your, your kids and you're doing that, you pause and say, guys, the reason we're putting a tree up is because Jesus was crucified on the tree, it says in Galatians on the cross. And so what we're doing is we're celebrating the fact that that gift was given to us. And you know what? As we're putting lights on this tree and we're doing this, he was the light of the world, but through the cross now we're the light of the world. 
See, there's meaning in it. What if when we gave a gift instead of just letting kids, you know, uh, tear apart through that little mongrels? Uh, you know kids are mongrels, right? They're in kids' church. You can say it. Uh, I see that hand. Um, what if when they're opening gifts, you say, oh, before we open, do you know the reason that we're exchanging gifts is because God exchanged the greatest gift for us? And you can say, you know what, you've heard naughty or nice, but Jesus doesn't do naughty or nice. He chose you when, when, when you were nothing, you had nothing to offer him, you were at your worst, you didn't even care about him, he chose you and called you. About the candy cane, you're putting little candy canes up, you say, hold up, but before you eat that, do you know what the red and white mean? Do, do, do you know that he's our shepherd? And do you know that the red is for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sins and the white is, is a purity we now have through Christ? Now see, that's, that's Jesus in, not Jesus then. You, you bring meaning to all things in life. He wants to be the supreme in all that we do. So the main point of this message is this. Jesus has to be the center instead of the front of the line. Jesus has to be the center instead of the front of the line. And when you look at the early church, you saw that. I mean, Peter had a mother-in-law. Do you know that? Help me out logically. What does that mean if he had a mother-in-law? He also had a what? A wife. That's what Paul wrote that the believing apostles get to do this and that and they have wives. So Peter had a wife. And many scholars really debate and believe that the reason Peter denied Jesus is because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. <laughs> Some of y'all just got that, right? All the moms in here are like, no, I don't believe that. I'm joking. That's a total joke. Do not quote me on that. And so you see that when Jesus said, Peter, follow me, do you understand that family and church and all that stuff didn't matter? He left it all for Jesus. Their whole lives were Jesus in everything. And that's one of the problems in Christianity today. And, we, and, and I'll get this in a second, but we have these little compartments for Jesus. Instead of Jesus being the center, we make him the front of the line, but then everything else is up to us. We run the, our family the way we want to run our family. We, 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 we do at church the way we want to do church. We do with, with our careers the way we want to do with our careers. And Jesus is at the front of the line, but he's in nothing else. And as Christ followers, if you're going to bring uh, meaning to Christmas, you have got, and meaning to who Christ is, you have got to put Jesus at the center. And so I'm going to give you three principles this morning of how do we put them at the center. And the first one to write in your, in your talk notes is this. And it's in Proverbs 3 verse 9. Don't put Christ in the drawer of faith. Don't put Christ in the drawer of faith. It's called compartmental faith. Your notes write down compartmental faith. And Proverbs 3 9 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. One more time. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. This scripture is the lifeblood of a believer. Honor. That word honor is the same word from glory, which means uh, count it as a weight that God has given you resources to steward. And the Bible says, honor the Lord with, with your wealth. And he says, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now some of y'all are like, look bro, I ain't got crops. I'm good. Okay? But your crops and my crops today will be everything that we have possession of, or we think we do. Everything God has given us stewardship over. Honor the Lord with all that. See, what happens is, is that we choose what we want to honor God with because we have compartments, right? We have the drawers of faith. You have Jesus up here, and this is your Jesus drawer. 
that Jesus is at church, you know, man, you go there, you, you sing, you smile, you clap hands, you do all that. But then you have your drawer of career. In the drawer of career, you tell dirty jokes, you cut throat, you steal, you lie, you cut corners, and you do all this in your career, right? But Jesus is still up here, and so you can come to church and be good. But in your career, Jesus is nowhere to be found because he's in this room. And then you have down here, oh, oh, your, your, uh, your, your friends. I can't get this thing open. You got too many friends. <laughs> oh, with your friends, you got to get smashed face drunk with them, man. You're part of the club. I ain't going to dance for y'all because I'll show y'all up. <laughs> but you do all that and then, you know, then you shut this drawer and you come to church. You open this drawer up and this is your Jesus drawer. That is not Christianity. And, and, and if you're operating in compartmental faith, you have emptied the manger of the purpose of why Jesus really came. We have compartments. See, being a Christian is less like the drawer of faith, and it's more like your air conditioned system. Let me explain. When I was in college, I roomed with one of my best friends, Brian Burgess, who has spoken here on Wednesday before, and um, we were in a little small dorm room. How many of you know that guys are not the cleanest individuals ever? Women, can you say amen to that? I see that. I see those hands everywhere. I see that one. I see that one. <laughs> and so we, we, we lived in this really dirty little college dorm, and, and we got to the point where we actually had to, had to half off part of the room. Like, look, look, bro, you keep your stuff over there. Because I, I am pretty clean. I clean my house. I, I'm the one who cleans it. And our room didn't smell good, so I had this great idea. Let's get dryer sheets, and let's put them in the ducts, okay, unscrew it, put them all in, and we'll change it once a month, and when the air condition blows to that little, we had two ducts, then it would make it smell like clean linen, and it worked. People were like, whoa, man, y'all's room smells so good, but it's so dirty. I don't understand this. It's like, wow, your whole room is filled with this clean linen scent smell, and I'm like, yeah, it is, isn't it? It smells like summer breeze. Um... (laughs) That is more representative of what our life should look like as a believer. Is that it's filtered through Jesus. That everything in our life is filtered to, through Jesus. That your careers are filtered with Jesus. And he's the center of that career. And when you go to work, you're on mission to reach people for Jesus. You're on mission to make that place better. You understand that you're honoring God with your career. Your families are Christ-centered and Christ-focused. That when the air blows through, that it blows through Jesus. And it makes the whole place fill up with the presence of the Lord. That your relationships, your friendships, your Facebook post... It got real quiet in here. So y'all, y'all, this turned into a Presbyterian church all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and when you're a Christ follower, that's what happens. You, everything gets filled with Jesus. Um, even pleasure finds its purpose in Jesus. I mean, even rest finds its purpose in Jesus. You follow me here? But what we do, we mess up and we put them in the compartment of faith. And we have, okay, this is my Jesus drawer right here. See, this thing started in in, uh, 300 AD. Follow me here with a history lesson. Think for a second. Tap your neighbor, say, wake up. Um, No, actually, don't do that because they may be sleeping. Don't, Don't embarrass them. But in 300 AD, Constantine took Christianity and made it the national religion. Okay? He took it and said, I want to make it a national religion where everybody has to go to a church. Everybody has to go hear sermons. Everybody has to do this. Everybody's going to be Christians. You can't do that with Christianity. It's a personal decision for Jesus. Uh, Because your mom or daddy or granddaddy served the Lord doesn't mean anything about you. Right? And Constantine did this. So you had all these people who did not care about Jesus. Said, you know what? I'm the governor. 
I, I, I've got to go do this. So they'd live like the devil all week. I mean, they would live it up. Live it up. And then they would come on Sundays and they would take communion. They would do confession. And they would go right back to the rest of their life. When Constantine made Christianity the national religion in 300 AD, it did something to Christianity. It created compartments that were not there before. And today, our church looks just like the church that Constantine set up in America. We come to church, we have our church life, we have our compartments, and God never intended that. See, when Jesus came as a baby in the manger, in the middle of that mess, he came to transform everything he came in contact with. And when you're a believer, when he touches your life, he changes everything in your life he comes in contact with. Here's the second point this morning. It's okay on, on, on the service before Christmas? Okay. The second point to write in your notes is this. How do we put Christ at the center? You don't wait for perfect circumstances. Don't wait for perfect circumstances. And it's called when, then, faith. Write in your notes. When, then, faith. Matthew 8, 21 says this. It says, Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. That sounds pretty noble, right? That's a noble request. But Jesus said to him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. You would not like to go to Pastor Jesus' church. And verse 23 says, and now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. What was so bad about this guy burying his father? What was so bad about that? Jesus called him out because he had win-then faith. Jesus said, follow me. Well, I, I first got to take care of this stuff at home, man. You know, my family, they, they really need me. I'll fully follow you once I get past this stage in life. You been there? Once I get the, the job, once I, once I retire, once I get here, then I'll fully follow you. And you know what the guy was doing? He was procrastinating fully following Jesus. He was putting it off. He had when, then. You've heard of that? When the ship comes in, then I'll do that. Baby, listen, the, the ship is never coming in. Might as well go ahead and start now. And Jesus called out the heart of what kills disciples is procrastination. He was actually procrastinating, saying, well, once I get all this stuff done, then I'll fully follow you, Jesus. Um, the timing's not right. I can't fully commit yet. Do you know what Jesus hears when you do that? Wah, 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 wah. That's what you heard the guy saying. Wah, wah, wah. Really? Another excuse? You know what? What he was saying is this. You will, he said, let the dead bury their dead. He was saying, you will always have those things going on. You will always have funerals. You will always have people sick. You will always have lack of money. You will always have that. And he was telling him, if you're waiting for the planets to align up and the stars to come all into agreement and the lunar eclipse to happen, then you follow me, it will never happen. Because when that happens, you'll also have an excuse. And we, we don't put Christ at the center when we're waiting for perfect circumstances to happen. Um, there is a story, and this is totally um, a, a, a fictional story. All right? So don't, don't be looking this up in the Bible. Talking about what, you know, Pastor Kevin's talking about these, these demons here. I want to find them. There's a fictional story about three demons who are in training. And these demons came to Satan, and they said, we're ready to show you our pitch for taking down mankind. So the first one came and he said, I think what I'm going to do is use jealousy. He told Satan that. Now, I have a, you know, humans are, are, have a bent toward jealousy. They're, they're jealous of people who have more and we'll just do that. And Satan said, I don't think that's too good. Because in, in you know, Cain and Abel, that was the whole jealousy thing, the offering deal. One gave a better offering, he killed up. It's, it's been done. Appreciate it. The 
other one came and said lust. Oh, humans are just geared toward lust. I want it. I got to have it. I deserve it. Remember Samson? He looked. He said, oh, man, that's, that's, I love it. But problem is, we had David. Remember David and Bathsheba? We, you know, we've done that before. And the final demon came. He said, I got one, Satan. Procrastination will make them think they have one more day to make a decision for Jesus and to do what God's called them to do. We'll always fool them that they have more time than they really have. And then when time runs out, they'll be upset because they realize they procrastinated their whole life. When, then, faith. And we can't put Jesus at the center if we're always procrastinating and saying, well, I've got to handle this first and I've got to handle that first and I've got to do this or that. Don't wait for perfect circumstances. And here's your final point this morning. Is make him Lord instead of just God. And Daisy and Danny, if you'll come. Make him Lord instead of just God. And it's called convenient faith. Write in your notes, convenient faith. And in John 20, uh, 26, 27, uh, we're going to look at that. It says, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them. And Jesus came with the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger in here and look at my hands and reach your hand in here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And watch what Thomas says, verse 28. This is the kicker. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. To that point, Jesus wasn't both of it to Thomas. I mean, a lot of us, Jesus is our God of choice. You know, Islam's a little weird. They, they, they bow and pray. They, they fly planes in the buildings. I don't want any part of that, okay? I don't want to do kamikaze stuff. I'm not into it. And then you're like, well, Buddhists are just kind of strange altogether. I don't know if I buy into that. But you know, my family loves Jesus, so I think I'll pick Jesus too. You know, it's safe. Uh, my, my boss will like me better. And a lot of us in America, Jesus is just the God of choice. We mentally ascend, yeah, I believe in the historical dude, he's cool, I like music, I love the sermons, I love the atmosphere, but we've never surrendered to him as Lord. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Thomas made two of the most powerful theological statements in the history of mankind. He was saying, I believe you're supreme, you're God of the universe, you are all those things Colossians said, but I also take you as my Lord. See, that word Lord there literally means boss. It means boss, curios, master. That means that I am under your control, Lord, whatever you want in all things. I don't have drawers anymore of faith and of friends, but you are everything. You're my filter. See, um, the Spanish word for that, and, and these guys can correct me, is el jefe. El jefe. Uh, boss. And when we teach church planting, uh, guys who want to go start new churches and they're excited about it, the, one of the first principles we teach is the boss principle. That Jesus is the Lord of the church. And Jesus is the Lord of everything that you will do. You can't dictate results. You can't make things happen. But you can be obedient and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. And so many times in our, our, our Christian lives, we have convenient faith. When it's easy, then I'll do it. He's your God, but he's not yet your Lord. He's the one that you mentally ascend to in Christmas and Easter. You, you're very excited to come and celebrate this God of choice, but you've never submitted as Lord. 
me ask you a question. Who dictates what you believe is right and wrong in your life? Is it you? Is it that lady on that TV show? Is it celebrities that, that, that you're on TMZ all the time looking at? Well, they're fighting for this cause, so I believe in it. Is it politicians? Is it a party? Who dictates what you believe in your life? Who dictates your values? Who dictates how you spend your time? Who dictates how you spend your money? Is it Jesus or is it you? Because if it's you and you control all that and you're like, man, I'm the Lord, then, then he's not Lord yet. And you actually, when you do it, he's not Lord, he can't be the center of your life. It says in Colossians, and read this verse one more time as I'm closing. Verse 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church. That's not an institution, but us as individuals. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that, so that the reason in everything, he might have the supremacy. In 2006, the Lord really challenged me on this. Um, he told me, and listen, I was a youth pastor, and I was actually fasting and praying at that point. I was seeking the Lord. And I'll forget in that prayer time, the Lord told me to take my wallet out, and I took it out. I was like, okay, Lord, when we give more, I'll do it. Just felt this in my heart. I felt the Lord say this to me. He says, your first seven years as a believer, you put me in your back pocket, and you carried me where you want to carry me. You have your plans, your desires, your dreams, and your goals. He says, but the table is going to turn very soon where I'm going to put you in my back pocket and carry you where I want to carry you and do with you what I want to do with you. Case in point, I'm here in Richmond, Virginia. That's what it means when Jesus is the center of your life. It's not God, family, church. There are some times that, that you may have to stay late in work. But you can worship Jesus in that. There's sometimes when you have to just, you know, focus on your family, but in that Jesus can be the center of that. You will never have a neatly marked out list in your life. It won't happen. If you've lived long enough, you can say it doesn't happen. But you can make him the center of everything and supreme in all that you do. It brings meaning. If you're sitting here like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't have purpose. God doesn't give you a purpose. He gives you many purposes. If you've lived long enough, you know that too. You've done many things. But you know what he does? He brings purpose in everything. Purpose in suffering, purpose in sickness, purpose in, in hurting, purpose in joy, purpose in prosperity. He brings purpose in it all. And when you let him become Lord and center of your life, you didn't have purpose in areas you never thought you'd have purpose before. You find purpose in it. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes with me today.